Hey everybody, Sathya Sam here and welcome to the New Man Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Today we are interviewing Aaron Zint of The Whole Man Project. And The Whole Man Project is the men's community at Bethel Church. Yes, the Bethel Church that if you follow any kind of Christian literature, you have likely heard about them over the years. Um, they are known to do pretty bold things uh, from a theological standpoint. And they also have a very well-known music label, Bethel Music. And um, anyway, regardless of what you think about Bethel, uh, regardless of where you stand theologically, I can pretty much guarantee you're going to get value from this interview because what they have developed in this men's group is just nothing short of spectacular. Um, And it hits on a lot of the uh, same points and the culture that we're kind of developing here at Deep Clean. Um, Authenticity, vulnerability, relational intelligence, emotional intelligence, um, this kind of wholeness approach to sexuality and uh, to holiness and integrity. And it's just, it's incredible. They they have such a good message. And Aaron is so down to earth. He shares very candidly and really embodies this message of just being a strong, confident man, um, not a slave or a victim to fear or anything else. And um, it's just really cool. It's really, really cool uh, what they're doing and kind of what he has lined up. So this is a really good interview. I know you're going to enjoy it. And um, and he also promotes an event at the end, which we'll talk about. And uh, there's links in the show notes if you're interested. I do highly recommend it, but I'll talk a little bit more about that afterwards. Without further ado, here's my interview with Aaron Sint. Welcome to the New Man Podcast, a show for brave men to experience freedom in their faith, sexuality, and relationships. The goal? The goal? to provide practical tools and timeless principles that help you become the man you were made to be. And now, your host, Sathya Sam. All right, well, I'm here with Aaron Zint of Brave Co., The Whole Man Project, a whole bunch of different things you got going on, man. Aaron, welcome, welcome here. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, uh, so this is pretty fun. Uh, you have been part of a... Well, a church community that I'm quite familiar with, a church community I've been to. I didn't mention that um, oh, okay. when we were talking yeah. before, but I was there in, uh, in 2012 at Bethel in, in Reading. Uh, it's an incredible place, man, and you guys got a really good thing going on. Um, but we're not here to really talk about that today, um, although I guess maybe we're talking about a subsidiary of it. But um, you're the leader of something called the Whole Man Project, and I'd love to start there. Uh, can you just tell us what is the Whole Man Project? Yeah. Yeah, so it's a group of guys, and we've had many many iterations of this group over the past 15 years or so, but really it's a group of guys who are pursuing sexual health and wholeness, and uh, we are doing that. We we basically run our group like a mini church service, and for I know for a lot of the guys, because it's not just for our church, it's for the guys in our city, um, but a lot of guys... Tr- kind of use it as their church if they don't have like a local place. So we will do worship. We um, play some games. So I guess it's more like a youth group than it is. It's just a regular <laughs> church service. We play a game uh, where guys either have to get vulnerable or they have to get physical. They have to do something where they get out of their comfort zone. And yeah. then um, we'll share some testimonies, which is always a really powerful time. And then we'll have a speaker. But the most important thing in the crux of what we do is our small groups that we break up into after all that stuff is done. Um, and that's really how the group started. It started like six guys on meeting on our ball field at our church um, weekly, just to say like, here's what, what I'm going through. Here's what I'm experiencing. Um, 
and really talking, it focused a lot around porn addiction um, because it was just such a massive thing in so many guys' lives. And luckily we had some guys who had found some freedom, who had been pursuing this for a while. So, um, you know, you had briefly mentioned before we started uh, about the efficacy of accountability groups. And we like to say I'm a recovering accountability partner. Um, and so we, what we found was it wasn't just, um, you know, people going like, okay, it wasn't behavior management that was working. We, we yeah. all knew that didn't work. And so, um, and it wasn't somebody else checking in on us. It was us coming to this group and being vulnerable every week, um, sharing our past pain and hurts and being able to work th through those, engaging the stories of our life in a way where we weren't running from them anymore. And then um, really confronting a lot of passivity as well. We found out hmm. most of us uh, were um, addicted to passivity even more than porn, <laughs> where we'd avoid conflict, we'd avoid failure, we'd avoid looking weak. Um, and we just avoided doing the hard things that it takes to um, walk out of something that we've learned over the course of 20 years. Like I started looking at porn when I was um, seven. Um, and so, and I'm 33 now. And it, I think 2014 was like the first time I started getting sober, um, really sober for the first time. And so there's a lot of unlearning to do. Um, and so the, in this group, we will talk a lot about connection. We'll talk a lot about vulnerability killing passivity and then healing our past and present wounds. And, mm. and really those things that are underpinning um, the porn addiction for a lot of guys is once you can start to address the underlying issues, um, real, the real problems, we like to say, you don't have a porn problem. You have a relational problem. You have a mm. pain problem. You have an isolation problem. And yeah. so addressing the things that are propping that up um, we've seen guys just, have so much freedom, walk in so much freedom, like they are, they're new men. And, um, it's really the testimonies that we get out of the group is not just guys, you know, saying, Hey, I, I didn't look at porn for this amount of time, which is great because it does say something, but it sure. doesn't tell the whole picture. What tells me a bigger picture is when a guy shares a testimony and says, um, I cried in front of my wife for the first time since we've been married. Um, yeah. I, my, I had so much fear around connecting with my son because I didn't think I had what it took. Uh, and I talked to him about sex and I, um, I connected with my daughters and I, like facing fears and facing um, relationships that they were scared to really engage in. That's where I see like men becoming the fathers and the husbands that they were um, designed to be. And so anyways, that's, that's a longer version of what our group is all about. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic, man. It's so good. You're hitting on so many things that I'm really passionate about. Um, but one thing you mentioned there that um, maybe it's, it's not one of your four pillars necessarily, but it's clearly threaded in what you do, and that is the concept of risk. Mm -hmm. Why why are you uh, encouraging guys to take risk? You had mentioned whether it's an emotional risk, like something you have to share vulnerably or physical risk. Um, sure. What is it about taking risk that is important because um, I think it's very clear that it, it, it's necessary to combat passivity and just some of the pitfalls that men classically fall into. Why is risk yeah. so important in this process for you guys? Yeah, great question. 
Uh, I'm for a lot of guys, the, uh, one it's doing something that is, um, doesn't come natural to them. And there's so many fears that are undergirding a lot of their, the way that they behave in life. Um, and so fears around, uh, looking weak. And I, I like to say that passivity usually rears its head in different ways, depending on your personality type. So we talk about the Enneagram a lot. We talk about a lot of different personality stuff, but in reality, I, I have this deep, uh, deep seated thing of, I am terrified of conflict, like telling somebody my opinion when I know they don't share that same opinion is super difficult. Telling somebody something they don't want to hear, just somebody not being okay with me. And so my fear of conflict will show up in a lot of ways, but we have a lot of guys who don't fear conflict, but they fear looking weak. We have guys who fear failure and risk really in any situation. So I don't know that you can use the uh, pursuing the fear of conflict in a game as much, but um, we push risk because really that is confronting the, the fears that have kept us bound and kept us feeling powerless for so long. And so Mm. um, me specifically pursuing fears uh, and risking is I'm going to tell somebody, um, what I think is important or my opinion about something. And I know they don't share the same opinion. Normally I can rationalize in my head why it wouldn't be helpful to share anything, but really it's this fear underneath. And so me taking a risk is like, I'm going to share this and there's probably going to be conflict or possibly going to be conflict. I'm going to share this and, um, I'm terrified of this hurting their feelings, but even more than that, I'm terrified of somebody thinking less of me. And so, um, so for me, that is a way we, I take risk and other guys, especially through the games, they take risk and how do I fail and still be okay afterwards? And I'm not talking about morally, like, you know, um, yeah. I'm talking about how do I do something that I'm not the best at? I don't succeed. Like I don't win first place in the game or I, I like give up after two pushups, you know, a pushup game. <laughs> how do I fail at that and still know that I'm okay? Because a lot of guys, their fear of failure surrounds this, um, is this really childlike place of, I will not be okay after this. Whenever this is done, if it doesn't go the way I think, things won't be okay. And a lot of that kind of um, fear and dysregulation that they have in their emotional world and their body is what leads them to wanting to numb out. And so mm. we have guys take risks in small ways so that they can fail and see that it's going to be okay afterwards. Um, and the more they practice that, the more one, the confidence that they build, but they feel powerful for the first time. Like, Oh, these guys opinion of me and how good I am at say pushups doesn't define me. I'm actually okay. Regardless of what they just saw. And Mm. it actually builds, um, uh, confidence and it builds a sense of power that a lot of guys are really looking to numb out or looking for that power in porn. Cause obviously you, you don't have to risk anything emotionally. You don't have to risk looking weak. You don't have to risk failure. You don't have to risk conflict uh, with porn. And it's, it's a very powerful feeling in that moment of I am in charge. I'm in control here. And so we're kind of pushing directly at that in a lot of small ways through risk. That's amazing. And I, I guess the, the other like kind of subtle component of that is it's not taking risks alone. It's doing it in the context of other guys who are there to, like you said, be on the other side and not just, um, not just tell them the truth, but actually give them an experience of it where it's like, Oh, you still accept me. You still like seeing, you're treating me the exact same way, even though I made a complete fool of myself back there. (laughs) 
That's really cool, man. Really cool. So you had mentioned getting exposed to porn at a pretty young age. I think you said seven, which is uh, younger than the average age of exposure as far as I know. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your journey there? What, uh, how did that yeah. all come about and, and how did you eventually experience sobriety in 2014? Yeah. Um, so I, I had found porn in a trash can at, um, you know, of all places, I was at my grandma's house. Um, and, uh, they, my grandparents had a person living with them who, um, you know, had a very storied past, but they was a friend of the family and he was gone at work and we used to have to take naps at their house. And so I had to take a nap in his room. They were just clueless, you know, naive about what might be in there. And so I found it and it was just, uh, you know, I like it's, it wasn't sin when I was pulling that thing out of the trash can and going like, this is, different than anything I've seen. And I guess there was probably a sense of like, this isn't right. Um, but you know, it's at seven, it's such a young age to be exposed to, um, explicit images and, um, naked people. And it was exciting and there was like new. And honestly, by that point, I had been primed in some ways to respond sexually to that. I had been, um, molested as a four-year-old by an older kid, um, and there was, I, I didn't real, none of this stuff was articulated in my head. None of the, I hadn't even really, um, I had shared that experience because I got in trouble. I got caught with this kid and I got in trouble. And so there's this hmm. sense of shame around sexuality. There's a sense of like, um, I, nobody's told me what this is. All I know is that now that I'm introduced to it, it's wrong. And there was this poll even after that sexual experience at four, um, so that when I saw that there was this bit of like, Ooh, this is something like what I've experienced and this is exciting. And it was even safer because it didn't involve another person. So, hmm. I mean, fast forward, um, there's, uh, there's lots of stuff that happened in between lots of sexual experiences, uh, molested again, uh, around the age of between eight and 10, honestly, I don't remember, but, wow. um, a lot that plays into the, the trauma and the wounds and the, um, the things that really gave me what this guy, Andrew Bauman calls a pornographic style of relating. And so there, you know, in psychology, they'll talk about attachment theories and uh, attachment is your style of relating in relationship to other people. And, um, I had a porn as I grew up, I grew up with a pornographic style of relating to women relating to the world. Um, because that was my, teacher on sexuality. Like hmm. I, I learned all these things. I remember having the conversation with my dad at maybe 13, where he finally was like, all right, we need to have the sex talk. And, um, <laughs> my buddies puts it this way. When his mom asked him, he's like, all right, mom, I guess we'll have the sex talk. What do you want to know? And then she, <laughs> oh, oh, you, you're going to, oh, you're going to tell me. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Okay. And so it was kind of the same thing for me. I'm like, man, yeah, well, I, you know, if I, I know way too much at this point. Um, and so, and it wasn't, there was no, I had no safety internally to share all that I had experienced because of the shame. And, you know, there's probably a part of that story that's like, I got in trouble for having something done to me. And so there's, hmm. there's a lot that, you know, builds into your psyche around that. So um, through high school, I, I met the Lord, I grew up in a Christian home. And I, but I really had an experience and encounter with the Lord as my sophomore year of high school. Um, and following that leading up to my senior year and when I graduated and moved to Reading to go to BSSM, Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, 
um, I had experienced like the first stint of sobriety um, that I, I, and I didn't know how, I just knew I was passionate about Jesus. I was going after him. I felt a ton of purpose and I was doing this with my friends and um, I was able to like I porn didn't felt like a distant memory at that point. After two years, it was awesome. I think I had got, the longest I went without masturbating um, was about seven months. Um, okay. But nonetheless, within that time, it was it was a marked difference. However, when I got to the school of ministry, like things were different. I was experiencing. Um, sorry, you can hear my son screaming in the background. No worries. Oh, I, man. I got three kids, so my wife is trying to <laughs> wrangle them all in the house. That's um, fine. I, I got to the school of ministry and um, slowly but surely started making small compromises here and there. And there was there was a change in the 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 amount of comfort and the amount of safety and the amount of purpose and um, and and pain that I was feeling being in this new place for the first time. Born and raised in Phoenix, eighteen years with the same people, same church. Um, and then I moved to this new place and it was crazy exciting and it was super fun. And I lived with my friends, um, but I was starting to, um, I had this deathly fear of, of what I thought the Lord wanted me to do, which was like evangelism. And, um, and we were learning at the school ministry to pray for people and pray for healing and do things that were risky. And, um, and, but I had this internal sense that I was never doing good enough and I was always failing God and, I felt really depressed. Um, I, there was a sense of loneliness because me and my roommates, we all knew each other from growing up, but we didn't actually understand what vulnerability was. Um, we didn't know how to do that. We didn't know what real connection was in that sense. And so there was a bit of, there was a lot of loneliness that I experienced during that time and had no words to put to it. And so slowly but surely over the course of this year, these small compromises of like, I know there's going to be sex in this movie, but it'll be fine. Um, and yeah, then I know right. there's going to be this. And then eventually I got into what now I can point to, back to as my ritual. Um, Patrick Carnes, the Dr. Patrick Carnes, who wrote the book Out of the Shadows. He's like the godfather of healing sex addiction and really coining the word, the phrase sex addiction. He mm. talks about... Um, the cycle of addiction and starts with preoccupation and goes into ritual. Um, and like he goes through it, but my ritual was to try to search for something that was innocent or innocuous or benign, um, in hopes that I would quote unquote, accidentally, accidentally stumble on something yeah. <laughs> because I, I knew consciously and cognitively, I knew that it was wrong and I didn't want to, uh, I couldn't look up porn. Like I didn't want to look up porn, but I did want to meet this, this longing that I had internally. And so I'm like, how do I, how do I meet that without looking at porn? And so mm -hmm. I would, I would rationalize getting on HBO <laughs> at midnight, <laughs> you know, which is, it's, it's hilarious now because it's so dumb, but I mean, there's been times uh, like even past that where I had been sober and then I'm like, I'm just going to get on YouTube and just see what's there. And then, yeah. you know, one thing leads to another. And then you're like, oh, how, how did I trick myself into getting here? You know, yeah. but is this ritual that I had created? So um, 2014, I started getting counseling for the first time. Okay. And that was a game changer for me. Like I'd been in men's group for about a year and a half and I had actually just started discovering some places of pain um, with my wife, some places of pain with my past. Um, but it was really as I was getting counseling that 
he started uh, digging into more of that stuff, uh, more of the pain that I felt in the past, more of the um, ways that I lived in passively and I felt mm. so powerless. And so he started giving me homework around um, passivity. And so he, he, I worked in HR at the time and okay. he said, uh, and I was deathly afraid of giving people bad news, which is not a great you know, thing to have when you're in HR. <laughs> yeah, bad combo there. Yeah, bad combo. So uh, there was so many instances where I would um, pass the buck, I would pass the responsibility off, I would write people up, but I wouldn't give them the full truth. I would beat around the bush and go like, it's not that big of a deal. We just got to do all this, you know, write you up or whatever. But it's not that big of a deal. You know, I'm trying to right. find ways to leave this potentially very conflict ridden conversation with you still being okay with me afterwards. And so I wasn't very good at it. And as I was talking (laughs) to my counselor about this, he goes, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to your boss, the HR manager. And I want you to ask her if you can be a part of every single write up, every single firing, every single hard conversation that she could possibly have as the HR manager. I want you to ask her to be in that. So I was like, (laughs) like I felt the floor drop from under me. I felt this, you know, aching sensation in my gut. I wanted to throw up, but I knew that this was like, this is my running at Goliath. You know, David ran at this giant. This felt like running at my giant. And so I also didn't want to upset my counselor. (laughs) um, I said, yeah, "Yeah, I know. Right. (laughs) Uh, It helped in this sense. But um, so I did, I, I, I went to her and I said this, I'm like, Hey, I'm trying to grow in this area and this is what I want to do. And so she's like, great. So I started sitting, I couldn't breathe in the majority of these conversations. And I was just the, the witness, like you, you know, when you're doing some of these things for legal purposes, you need the person, like you need two people there so they can corroborate a story. If somebody gets upset and says, no, you fired me because of this illegal reason. So I'm just sitting there as the witness and I can't breathe because of the tension and the conflict and the, uh, all the fear of relational disruption that I have like built within me. Mm. And so, but the more I sat in that, the more I started to get used to the feeling of conflict, the feeling of tension, and then walking out of that room afterwards and going, I'm okay. Like things are okay. Um, yeah. And then there yeah. came this day where we needed to fire somebody and there was nobody else around and they're like, we need this to happen. And so I was like, okay. I'm going to do it. And I didn't have a witness. It was just like, I was the only one. So wow. I sat down with this guy again. I could barely breathe. I was like, took one big breath when I walked into that room and I started <laughs> giving, delivering the bad news. This is what you did. This house is against policy. Um, this is your final check. Like we're terminating employment effective immediately. And he had all these reasons why he shouldn't have been fired. And I just, I sat there and nodded. And then I was like, here's the paper I need you to sign. Uh, and then he, he was visibly upset. He didn't like make a scene, but he was visibly upset. I knew he was, I was the deliverer of the bad news. I was the person who could in, se- in a sense, change his life. Like be the person who said you used to do this and now you don't do this and you also don't get any money anymore. And so this is a big deal and I'm terrified. He eventually gets up, he walks out after we're all done and like, I, I'm kind of quivering inside and I'm trying to catch my breath after holding it for so long. Um, but I realized like there is a person now walking out in the world who is not okay with me, who 
is potentially angry at me, who probably if you if somebody else asked him, hey, what do you think about Aaron Zint? He would have some explicit expletives, you know, (laughs) and I was okay. Like I was, wow. I didn't fall apart. I wasn't broken in half. I was okay. And so I began this, I had never felt so powerful in my entire life. And which is a weird mm. thing to say after that. But for me, it was reality. I didn't realize how much of my life was lived as a slave to what other people thought. Everything that came out of my mouth was tailored to how can you be okay with me by the end of this conversation? And it was slavery. And I, so I felt this renewed sense of power, like, or a new sense of power that I hadn't ever felt before. And it was in the middle midst of doing that in many different ways in my life, as well as um, pursuing the the past pain, as well as starting to get connected to guys. I didn't realize how lonely I was and how Mm. much I didn't know how to build connections with other people. Um, A combination of all those things, like I, porn had less and less of a draw. Now I had some external things, you know, like porn blockers don't help when you're not, um, getting at the root of it, but they do help when you are, when you're doing that simultaneously, when you can create some barrier to, to entry, um, that kind of stuff was helpful. But I realized over time, like, I'm feeling less and less of a draw. I'm feeling in the moments of feeling pain, insecurity, fear, um, I actually know what to do with this experience right now in, as opposed to before I only knew how to make myself feel better through the use of a naked woman, nice. um, through the image of a naked woman or however else. And so I was finding new ways to, to essentially regulate myself to, you know, if you get dysregulated, you're in a state of, you know, terror, panic, um, anxiety, or you're shut down and numb. I knew how to get myself back there because I knew how to connect with other people. I knew how to get vulnerable and I knew how to actually do something that scared me, that allowed me to step into a place where I'm like, Oh yeah, I, I am powerful. I'm a powerful man and um, I can do this. And so that was really where it started to change for me. Yeah, that's pretty incredible, man. And it's funny because I think sometimes it's, it's hard for like the rational guy brain to understand how, getting your boss to sit in on HR meetings could help you get free of porn. You know, like it just seems <laughs> so like it's this constellation and they're on po- like opposite ends. But um, I get it. And I think for me in my recovery journey, it was the same thing. It was just exercising some of those muscles that guys do not get the opportunity to work out when they're younger, you know, self-awareness and emotional intelligence and just taking risks, you know, and, and doing the hard things initially so that you don't have to do the harder things later on. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. So I guess I'm just curious then when you start to experience sobriety in, in 2014, as you kind of put it, um, how long was it before you could kind of reach that place where you're like, okay, I've like porn is no longer a viable option when I'm in pain or stressed mm-hmm. or whatever. How long did it take for you? Excuse me. How long did it take for you to get there? Uh, that's also a really good question. I, I definitely had a roller coaster of, so I had slip ups, I had relapses in the middle of that, but what I was found with, uh, and I'll, I'll answer your question after I give this kind of like, uh, context to it is with a slip up or with a relapse where I do wind up looking at porn and what I, I would call a slip up for me was like, I started to go on the hunt. I didn't like 
I didn't actually pull up porn. I didn't masturbate. I didn't do this stuff, but I went on the hunt and I knew that was my form of acting out was go- even just searching for this. And so mm-hmm. um, in the midst of all those, what I began to do, at least with those was not just no longer just going shame on you. You should be further along. Um, you're now leading a small group. You really should be way beyond this. Um, but actually utilizing that as a chance to go, why though? What was mm-hmm. happening inside of me that I found that to be a better option than what I know actually does work? And so that gave me a chance to look at some of the some more pain that was hidden beneath the surface. And you know, this discovery of um, past hurts and pains that are uh, kind of created my style of relating with people in the world and pain. This is I, it's going to be a lifelong journey for me. Um, like this, there's going to be stuff that comes up, you know, when I'm 80 years old that I, I get to grieve through and, you know, gets me even better. But in the midst of that, I was using those chances to go like, what was happening? Cause I want this to be the last time I want this to be a, a chance for me to go, Oh, because I did, I did this because this, and I didn't realize that before, or this is a new layer. And so mm. beyond those, like the relapses or the slip ups, there was, um, I got to this place where I, I use this kind of like memory as an example is I was, um, there's this one woman who she was, she would wear these specific pants that always hooked me. Like it was the woman and the combination of the pants, but I felt hooked every time I was around her. Like I want to stare at her, butt. I want to, I'm so drawn, um, to her specifically and through the use of going like, Hey, what is it about that? That is pulling me. And I didn't do this by myself. I did this with my, my friends, but I also was, um, would start to connect with guys, uh, quicker when I've experienced pain, when I experienced this pull. Um, and so as my buddy Shay says, he's like, your porn to phone call ratio just gets smaller and smaller where <laughs> I feel, I feel pain. Um, I feel what, no, I, th- I think I said porn to phone call. I meant pain to phone call ratio gets smaller okay. and smaller. Okay, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Got it. Pain to phone call ratio gets smaller and smaller where I feel pain and I don't wait a week before I tell somebody about it. And so this process of getting known on a regular basis um, started to change things for me. So one day I saw this woman again, she was wearing those pants and I looked over and I, I noticed her. And then I looked back at what I was doing and I kept doing what I was doing. And all of a sudden I was like, wait a second, I didn't feel a hook. I didn't feel Mm, a pull. Like I was actually shocked by this uh, because yeah, I was shocked. And so I was like, what is different right now. And I realized, man, I have, I feel so known by the men in my life right now. I think I had talked to somebody every single day that week and it wasn't a discipline. I was actually legitimately connecting with my friends and going like, here's what I'm experiencing now. And they would say, here's what I'm feeling now. And then we would just talk through it. I felt known, which was just another underlying thing, especially for my personality type, is this underlying thing of like, I have this desperate desire, and this is human. I have a desperate desire to be known by other people, to not mm. be alone in what I'm experiencing. And so I realized, man, I just feel so known. Like I don't, I don't need the comfort of uh, another woman's body to make me feel like I have intimacy that I'm missing in my life. That mm. feeling of being known, it was this intimacy that I was just craving. And so those are, it was more of moments rather than seasons where I would go, 
this would normally pull me down a spiral and yeah. it didn't this time. What's different and rec- I, taking inventory, not just when I'm in pain and not just when I feel um, triggered, but when I feel good, like what's different about right now. And so I would start to, these are kind of my, how I've um, tried to synthesize the things that are, I think help guys get free of porn. Um, it was from a lot of these small revelations of like, wow, I feel really known. I actually have been um, pursuing things that I was scared of this, like in this past season or whatever. And I feel really powerful. Like I don't need porn to make me feel powerful right now. I actually feel powerful. Um, I, I just had this incredible experience of healing um, from this past memory that I didn't realize held some pain. Um, And man, I just, I feel, I feel comfort. Like I feel comfort from the Lord. I feel comfort from people. Um, And so it just, it, all that stuff started culminating in this, this, um, this feeling of like, Oh, porn at different times. I'd recognize, uh, even if I, I, I know I have this like slight memory of how good porn feels, uh, in the moment. Yeah. But I'm so aware that what I can do instead feels so much better. And it, mm. when you're in the beginning, it doesn't feel like that. You're like, there's no. literally nothing else in the world that will make me feel as good as this image, this website, this scene, whatever. And so I just began to realize like, oh, no, I, I know what real life tastes like. I don't need the fake stuff anymore. And so that was, yeah, a long way of answering your question. No, really good, man. Really good. And I think that that is the sign of true freedom, isn't it? Like, I think we often think that freedom is quite binary, like you're either free or you're not. Right. Yeah. When it's really a spectrum, like, you know, you you gradually inch your way further and further away from the thing you're trying to get free of. Um, really yeah, beautifully you, said. Go One go of the things, sorry um, to interrupt, but one of the, as you were talking about that, like, that is something that tripped me up for so long was freedom being binary. Like I am on, mm. like I have to write this line of like, I, uh, as soon as you make freedom or purity, a line that you can cross, you can like, you, you stop moving, you know, you can stand on one side of the line and go, well, I didn't see a nipple. So I must be pure because I didn't yeah. see what I deem as impure or whatever. Um, but what I, I had one day I came home and there was tons of flies in my house. I came home from vacation and I'm like, what the heck? And I, bought bug bombs and it was like an exorbitant amount of flies. So I realized that I I slept in my backyard that night because it was just like waiting for them all to die from the stuff I put in my house. The next day I did a super thorough clean and I found the food source for, you know, all where these flies had bred over the past week that I was gone. Um, and you know, if somebody was to ask me, and so I, I killed all the flies, but I also got rid of the source. And so if somebody was to ask me like, so you got rid of the flies, does that mean you'll never have flies again in your house? And I'm like, as long as I take out the trash, like frequently. And so is it like, okay, now that you're, you know, free from porn, does that mean you're free from forever? And I'm like, okay, one, I would say freedom is the gift that Jesus gives you on the cross. And so he gives you the ability to go and sin no more. But in, in a real sense, they're saying like, are you free from the compulsion to look at porn? And as long as I'm taking care of myself, like I, as long as I'm staying connected, I'm staying vulnerable. I am not uh, avoiding things that would be passivity. And as long as I'm willing to engage the stories in my past that are painful, porn won't have that pull. And so Mm -hmm. if I start neglecting those, and there's been seasons where I would neglect one or more of those and 
if comes flooding back, this desire of going like, oh, I remember what actually takes away this pain, at least momentarily, yeah. that comes flooding back. And so I'm like, will there be a point in my future where I have like a naked woman won't do anything for me? I don't know. I, I doubt it. But I know if I'm taking care of myself, a naked woman coming in, like passing by me, you know, however that would happen, um, can either send me spiraling or I can be okay afterwards. Yeah. Um, and I may feel this, like there may be a desire, like I know that that looks good. I know that that's something that I naturally would want, um, but I'm going to be okay because I'm connected. I'm vulnerable. I am not avoiding scary, hard things in my life. And I'm like willing to look at things that are painful. Yeah, it's beautifully said, man. Beautifully said. So you are, um, we kind of mentioned this at the beginning, but the Whole Man Project is nested under Braveco, which is kind of a, a global organization. And you guys are putting on a conference. You're speaking at it uh, pretty soon here. Tell us a little bit about Braveco and, and what people can expect from the event. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Jason Valentin is the founder of Braveco and he's been a pastor at Bethel for many years now. Um, his dad, Chris Valentin, um, is the associate senior associate leader or something like that, but he also started the school of ministry. And so Jason has had a heart for seeing men walk in there and what true manhood is, um, being providers, being protectors, um, being men who are fully alive, living the life, the fullness of what Jesus paid for. Um, but he also realized like in the midst of knowing that this is his great desire to see men walk in this, that um, what's been missing, because a lot of conferences seem to, you know, like the Promise Keepers Conference drew the, the biggest amount of men in one space ever. And yet that was the biggest porn use of all, like all these hotels would, their porn use would spike during these conferences. The um, men would walk away, but and get something, but be unchanged fundamentally. And so Jason's mm -hmm. like core convictions were, um, we need discipleship. Men can't be doing this thing alone. They can't just go to this one thing and expect everything to be different because of information that they've heard, or even just one encounter. An encounter is great. And an encounter does, an encounter with the Lord changes you. But it, the sustainability of walking in wholeness requires other people. And it requires um intentional growing. And so he's created Braveco, which is a platform for guys to get connected to other guys, uh, get connected to leaders, um, get connected to a place where they can be discipled as well mm -hmm. as learn the stuff because there's not like what promise keepers did that it did bring value, but it was the sustainability of that afterwards that we were found lacking. And so we do need the teaching and we do need the, the men who are speaking um, truth um, but we really need discipleship. So this conference is kind of like a kickoff to Braveco uh, at large. So we're doing Braveco conference at Bethel Church, August 25th, 26th, and 27th. Um, you can go to braveco.bethel.com and uh, register there. And they actually have an in-person one as well as an online one if in-person isn't yeah, something that you that. can manage. Yeah. Um, and so the whole point of this conference is to kind of kickstart this. Um, what does it mean to grow in manhood and in, in true God-given masculinity? So we have the very first night, this is the coolest thing, is this guy, Todd Pierce, has this uh, ministry called Riding High Ministries. And he, we're going to our local rodeo fairgrounds all the men at the conference and Todd Pierce is going to break a wild horse in the fairgrounds as he talks to us about the way that God responds to us in love. Wow. Um, and he, he's done this many times and 
he's there's been dangerous times where you know the horse is more difficult to break and it bucks him off and like crazy stuff but this guy is just incredible so that's the first night we will have uh chris valton will be speaking the author of supernatural ways of royalty john eldridge the author of wild at heart will be there jason valton brian johnson the creator of bethel music um danny silk the founder of loving on purpose um myself the leader of whole man project um <laughs> yeah i mean it's just a it's a an incredible lineup of guys who have a ton of wisdom and um the goal would not just to be to receive this stuff but to actually connect with other guys get in a small group get connected to a discipleship group um so that you can continue to grow even after this happens so um yeah. that's what's going on highly highly recommend it i'm i'm super stoked for it i can't wait for the experience of it all that's really cool man and just out of curiosity what are you talking on specifically porn i'm okay. yeah, i'm basically gonna talk i mean the, it's my favorite subject um <laughs> is i'm just basically gonna be talking about the things i shared just now of like hey this was my experience um this is this is what i think are the necessary components to not just stopping behavior that's destructive that's super important but to really live a life of wholeness because if you i know people who aren't addicted to porn but they live in full passivity they aren't connected they're isolated and they're full of pain and their addictions are more socially acceptable addictions but they're just limping throughout life. And it's kind of sad in in ways that I'm thankful that my addiction exposed itself through something so devastating that it forced me to confront the things that were underneath it. Uh, Whereas, you know, some addictions that people have to say social media or um, sugar or whatever, things that are more socially acceptable, you could live your whole life without realizing that you're passive and man, you could be missing out on so much fullness. Yeah, it's beautiful, man. Beautiful. Well, we're going to link to everything in the show notes. Um, and I think that is a, just a phenomenal event. Sounds like it's going to be really cool. Uh, lastly, Aaron, for maybe um, there's guys listening who are saying, okay, I know that I'm numbing or I'm, I'm running away from areas in my life I know I'm supposed to confront, but I'm too scared to take the risk or to be vulnerable or, or whatever. Um, how would you how would you coach somebody or not, maybe not coach them but what's what's the starting point to actually face some of these latent fears and insecurities and and whatever else in a in a kind of more direct way yeah um i would say that when we're on the journey to getting becoming whole and becoming free from damaging behaviors unwanted sexual behaviors whatever um my approach is little bits of better over a long period of time. And so there's this a fear that I will have to uproot my entire life in order to change this. And in a sense, yeah, but you can start in a little place. And my, my suggestion for like, Hey, this is scary. And yes, you will have to do something that you've never done before in order to get results that you've never had before. Hmm. it's just the bottom line and it will be scary, but I would encourage a guy to say, you have what it takes. You are not destined for brokenness. You are not destined to live in this forever. But one small step I would say is just find a, some group that you can begin to share, um, what you're struggling with. Just being honest, you know, the first step in any 12, uh, step group is, uh, admitting that you are powerless to overcome this. And really what you're saying is I cannot do this alone. 
I'm going mm-hmm. to admit for the first time that I do not have the capability of doing this alone. And even the guys who have a great connection with God, if it's just you and God, it's still alone. Like Adam walked in the garden. He named all the animals. He had a great, amazing connection with God. And at one point God says, you know what? It's not good for man to be alone. So that tells me that even when it's just you and God and there's a brilliant, amazing connection and there's no sin, God still calls that alone. So you cannot Mm. do this by yourself. You need other men and just find some group to finally say, I need help. Just that starting point is, um, is going to be, it'll be scary. It's got to be scary. Honestly, you can't get free from porn. You can't step into wholeness without facing some of the fears. So you have to do something scary. Just start with that. Um, and then you can grow from there. It's amazing. Aaron, this has been so rich, man. Thanks. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. I honestly, this is the first podcast I've been, uh, uh asked to join and I was stoked. Oh. <laughs> I, was, I just felt really good all day. I was like, I can't wait to do this. So oh, I appreciate sweet, it, man. man. Yeah, it's been great having you, man. Thanks so much. You bet. Well, that was my interview with Aaron from The Whole Man Project. And I told you, he's a really legit guy, just very down to earth. Um, Lots of great points. And they're building a really special culture there. He didn't mention this in the interview, but he is also working on a book. And um, and we'll probably have him back or we'll promote him when the time comes there. But uh, But yeah, he's got a really good thing going. And I just, I highly encourage you to check out this event, uh, the Brave Co. Conference. It's happening this week, uh, so I'm not expecting you to jump on a plane and go down to California, but um, that being said, they have a virtual option. It's fairly inexpensive, and I think you would find tremendous value in it, so I do highly recommend checking that out. Um, Thanks so much for listening. Uh, I really appreciate it, guys. I hope that you're finding this valuable, and I really do welcome your feedback. If you have anything that you want us to address, if you have any guests in mind that you think might be good for the podcast, shoot me a message. Uh, It would be great to hear. I I always put my email in the show notes if you do want to reach out, and I do appreciate it when you guys uh, take advantage of that. Lastly, if you're struggling with pornography and you don't know where to get started and you don't know uh, what to do, who to reach out to, or anything like that, I encourage you, get your hands on the Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. You can get that at ultimaterecoveryguide.com. These are my five best practices, uh, really the things that every single man who's free implements in his life, and they are not hard to do, okay? They're not complicated. It's very simple. Um, Yeah, definitely take some work. I'm not trying to pretend some, I don't know, some magic pill that you just pop and you're good to go. There's work involved for sure, uh, but these are some of the, the fundamentals to freedom, and they're the things that we witness in all of our success stories here at Deep Clean and in my own story myself. That's the ultimate, uh, pardon me, you can get that at ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. Much love to all of you. Have an incredible day. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to The New Man Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, you can share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest, please sign up for the weekly newsletter at www.sathiasam.com or follow on Instagram at Sam. Thanks again and see you next time.